Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode two of a Geek Explained Extra series that we're calling Into the Snyderverse, where we will be going through every single film in the DC Extended Universe Cinematic Experience Universe series of films. I am your co-host, Eric Azana, and I am joined by Andrew Kincaid from the Artistic Liberties Podcast. And I am also joined by Chris Carter from the Scripts and Screams podcast. Ah, Scripts. <laughs> Scripts. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, so last time in our debut episode, we tackled Man of Steel, uh, the 2013 debut of the DCEU and the very first film in the Zack Snyder vision for the DC Universe. And now we're going to take a sharp left turn because we are not getting a straight Man of Steel sequel. No, 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 no. We are veering straight into hero-on-hero violence with Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Now, I remember Comic-Con when they debuted this. I remember they had the actor, and I forget his name... But he w- he played General Swanwick in Man of Steel. I'm just going to look it up right now while I vamp on this audio. There it <laughs> is. Harry Lennox. So they had Harry Lennox come onto stage in Hall H. And he read a um, an excerpt from The Dark Knight Returns, written and illustrated by Frank Miller with Klaus Janssen. Basically um, talking about... It's the iconic scene where Batman's fighting Superman. You all see where this is going. Where Batman said, you know, for all the years forward, I want you to remember that I'm the one man that beat you. And then they, bam, showed on the screen the Batman-Superman logo. The place went wild. It was the end of days and also the rebirth of Christ. Everything seemed like (laughs) it was on the up and up here. And then we started to get some casting. We started to see that Ben Affleck would be chosen as the new Batman taking the cowl from Christian Bale and carrying it into the foreseeable future at the time. And then we got the unveiling of Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, who at the time was kind of an unproven actress. She had been in the Fast and Furious series, one of the best franchises of all time. And then (laughs) they really dropped the bomb for me. Because all the way up, from the moment that Man of Steel rolled credits, I was like, where's Lex Luthor? I need Lex Luthor. And for years, for years, I remember talking to Andrew about the only correct choice to play Lex Luthor in Man of Steel 2, and that was Brian Cranston. And I said, up and down, Brian Cranston's going to be Lex Luthor. He's got to be Lex Luthor. He's the only choice. He's the only right choice. And they decided to go with Jesse Eisenberg. Now, I remember coming into this film. I remember going there at midnight with Mr. Christopher Carter here and saying to everyone, this is going to be a good movie. I'm excited for this. Chris was there. I remember this. We watched this with a group of friends. We did, yeah. This film... uh, 
whether people realized it or not, was making history. In 2016, this film was making history. This is the first time that Batman and Superman would be on screen together. This was the first time that Wonder Woman would be making her debut on the big screen alongside characters like Aquaman, Cyborg, and The Flash. And this was, and I can't stress enough how important this is, this was the first film featuring Batman that featured created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. I'm going to go on a tangent here and I'm just going to let you know that this was a big (laughs) fucking deal because Bill Finger more so than Bob Kane was the creator of Batman. Everything that we know about Batman came from the mind of Bill Finger. Bob Kane had a little bit of input on this but it was really Bill Finger's vision and for Decades, decades, I say. Bob Kane was the only name you would see. Batman created by Bob Kane. Because Bob Kane is a scumbag. But we're not going to get into that because I could go for hours talking about how much of a scumbag Bob Kane is. But the big deal here was that the Bill Finger estate won a lawsuit that allowed his name to be on properties that featured the Batman. So this film kicks up, you're seeing the credits, and you see Batman created by Bob Kane with Bill Finger. And that made me so freaking happy. Chris, do you remember seeing Batman v Superman at midnight? I believe it was at Elcon. It might have been. No, I actually, I remember this completely. It wasn't Elcon. It was Century Park off of the freeway near Marana. That's right. It was me, you, uh, John Noble, uh, Taylor. Uh, Shout out to John. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't know who else it was, but I remember there being like a group of us. And, and Sammy was there too, because I remember, Eric, this is right after you had your surgery. Do you remember? You actually had to get up and watch the film. You're right. From, yeah, you're right. So, yeah. Still trap memory. Fuck, yeah. that's crazy. But, yeah. I. But I. Sometimes I forget about that. Yeah, because I was. This was like right after. What, what date did this come out? I have to think about I this. I can't tell you the date but it was in 2016 yeah it it was in 2016 um this film came out no this film came fuck this film came out march 25th of 2016 this was literally maybe a week or two after my surgery uh for those of you who don't know i had a back surgery in early 2016 to fix a herniated disc alongside of my spinal stenosis it's a big deal but it's fine we moved past it um but i had a (laughs) surgery a pretty you know a fairly serious back surgery um but i dragged myself out of the house because i wanted to see batman v superman um but yeah we we saw this film at midnight and i sat through the uncomfortable um uncomfortableness of being post-op but Plenty of painkillers, so I had a great time during that film. Um, Andrew, do you remember seeing this film for the first time? What your expectations were? The experience you had going in? Uh, Small story. It's actually kind of ironic and funny because how you uh, thought you went to Elcon. I actually went to Elcon. That's right. Um, I was very, I would say in 2015, I was, I, I have never been more excited for a movie. I was very, very enthralled. I was very, very looking forward to it. I remember being in a play of Macbeth and, uh, right. getting, and reading the news, I think at one point, like when the news had dropped, it was going to be Batman versus Superman. I specifically remember, Eric, I was texting you 
and I was house sitting at the time because I remember being in that living room and texting you just like, oh my God, it's the bat symbol behind the, the Superman symbol. Oh my God, it's just like Kevin Smith had always talked about. It's going to be Batman versus Superman. And, and like we geeked, geeked out over it. And then as every trailer started to go, come out, my interest and my desire to see this movie grew less and less. I remember at one point, I think, Eric, you texted me saying, hey, we're all going to see uh, the midnight premiere. Do you want to come? Yeah. And in one single text, in one word, I just said, pass. And then <laughs> it, was, it was like 10 minutes before, the, like it was 10 minutes before the the. the the, the opening of the movie and Jacob Brown shout out to Jacob Brown who's also shout been on Geek Explained uh, he texted me because I lived because I lived close at the time to the Elcon Mall and the Elcon Theater asking hey last minute do you want to see Batman versus Superman and I really thought about it it's like I got nothing else to do all right let's blow 12 bucks and go see this trash <laughs> and so I and so I went to Jacob Brown's house we got we we got as much prepared as we can and that's all i'm going to say and then we <laughs> drove straight to the theater we sat down i was surrounded the the theater was packed it was so packed with people ready to see batman and superman on screen and i, I was in elcon mall and what proceeded was eventful and was definitely an experience I I think that's that's a word that we can use for this film is experience. Um, whether that was a positive or negative experience, I think is up to interpretation. Um, but for me, this film really was a landmark for a lot of reasons. Um, this broke ground. This was the big, you know, Batman versus Superman deal. But on top of that, it was continuing the story that had started in 2013. We were finally going to see what happened next. We had questions, you know, is there going to be consequences for Superman tearing down half of Metropolis? You know, what does Batman contribute to this story? How long has he been around? Why is he Ben Affleck? You know, all of these questions that we had <laughs> when it came to this movie, we really, at least I really wanted answered. And I came into this movie with high hopes. I really wanted this to be something that I could be proud of, something that could I could enjoy. Um, and maybe, I mean, maybe it was the painkillers, but I enjoyed it when I first watched it. Um... <laughs> I I thought to myself, you know, this is this is a hell of a film. This is something that we are going to remember for a long time. And that's true. We did remember it for a yeah. long time. <laughs> now, this film was notable, and I already talked about how it made history um, when it came to the creative aspect and the contributors. But another thing that was historic was the second weekend box office drop. That was one of the big news stories going on at the time because we'd never seen something like that before. Now, Chris Chris is our numbers guy. Chris is the guy who knows all the things that we need to know. Tell me, what was the budget on this film? I think we talked about this last episode. Yeah, $250, $250 million. So this was $25 million more than Man of Steel. And they right. used as much of that money as possible. I remember we talked about um, 
I, th- I remember having conversations with both of you about the second trailer that came out for this film that blatantly spoiled that Doomsday would be showing up in yeah. the movie and being really frustrated with that. And it's obvious to me that the budget didn't go into the CGI for that. But <laughs> what was the overall... I don't know if you'll have the, inform- the information, the numbers for the weekend box office drop, but what was the overall box office for this film? So in the U.S., it got three hundred thirty million dollars in its ty- its entire run. Wow! So three thirty, yeah. And so if you look at it, you know that's only what is it eighty above their budget, which you know again we talked about before. You want to double your budget to cover advertisement. A safe bet is it if your budget is two fifty, then you need to make that back to cover your advertising. So five hundred would have been where you're looking at being. Right. They didn't. They crossed eight seventy three worldwide so so they made some money yeah. it was more successful than man they of made steel some money which i guess makes sense when you bring in other characters to interrupt yeah. you like man is that a testament to how powerful word of mouth is like, <laughs> if anything yeah, like, yeah. this movie really proves that for sure and it's a movie that i think a lot of people had really high expectations for i know i did regardless of whether the trailers were whatever and we got to see some of the stuff that i i know we all had problems with this was a movie that had a lot of um a lot of a lot of expectations put upon it there's a lot of we wanted a lot to come from this movie and i will say like when you come at this movie and you look at it just as a piece of art this film is something now the film that we all watched in the theaters is not the film that we watched for this specific episode and i want to make that distinction now before anyone comes after me and says oh you didn't mention the this um the bullet subplot um we are going to be mentioning it it's here i watched it the bullet happened. The bullet was laced with... Le- anyway. Um, so the original runtime for the theatrical release was about two and a half hours. This Ultimate Edition, which came out much later, added an additional 31 minutes to the film that was cut out, featuring a deep dive into a Lois Lane subplot that I think, for what they were going for, made the movie move a little bit better. I didn't say it moves good, but it moves better. The f- The flow of the story, things don't feel as jagged, doesn't feel like they're jumping as much from point to point. There is a through line with this investigative story. It's not a good through line, but it's an investigative story. And this film had, you know, we talked about last episode with influences. Um, the first film, Man of Steel, was influenced by stories like uh, Superman Earth One, stories like Superman Birthright, and a lot of the um, paranoia when it comes to uh, science fiction and things that we don't understand. This movie had one big influence, two if you want to count the creators, but the big influence for this film was the seminal graphic novel Batman The Dark Knight Returns from 1985, written by Frank Miller, with art both by Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen. Um, I mentioned this before. This film has its DNA. The DNA of Dark Knight Returns is baked directly into this film. Now, before we get into the big, you know, 
movie itself what did you guys think about these casting choices because that garnered a lot of buzz specifically when we get to um our big three casting wonder woman batman and lex luthor i'll start off since uh andrew seems to be gearing up for war here doing his stretches and calisthenics <laughs> how did you feel about the castings for these you can tackle them all together you can tackle them one at a time however you feel um hmm. You know, I don't, I can't say I hate it. I can't say I like the casting. There's a lot to unpack here. This is, of course, pre-Me Too, where we get to know a little bit more about Ben Affleck and his uh, kind of less than favorable acts. But I don't, I don't hate Ben Affleck as this specific choice of a Batman. I think if you're going to go with this older Batman look, if you're going to go with this, you know, it's funny because I remember being at a bar with Eric and we and like the very first picture of the suit had dropped and like I had gotten a text from you saying we have to talk about this. Yeah. What are you doing later? And I was like, I'm, yeah. I'm done after rehearsal after this. Come meet. And, he was, and you were like, perfect. Come meet me to this specific place. And we went and we just had our phones at the bar and we were just talking about this black and white photo of Affleck in the costume. And he looked great. He looked like Batman. He looked, he had the chin, he had the stance. He looked like a guy who was over six foot four, had broad shoulders and like was looking and posing. And so I was excited. I was, I I was a big Kevin Smith fan. I, I, I will go on record in saying I enjoyed the Daredevil film. I really loved the town. I really loved Argo, which had just, which had, come out like i think maybe a year or so after that news it might have been 2012 or 2013 or 2014 between that time argo had come out and so that was just like all right this is not the ben affleck we got in the 90s this is not the early 2000 affleck that we were gonna get it's not geely affleck oh god (laughs) yeah remember geely that's a whole other movie (laughs) but to say that he doesn't do a bad job with what he's given. And that might be the fact that he hired the screen actor from Argo to come in and spruce up his, his scenes to make it better. But at at the same time, I kind of look at that Frank Miller Batman and I go, okay, you're great for Frank Miller and you are great in this sort of singularity, the factor of a story that you are. I don't know if I would branch you out into an overall universe because I have more questions. What does your Joker look like? Who's playing your, who's playing your Alfred? Who's your, who's playing your Selena Kyle, which I was really hoping was going to be Kate Beckinsale. And we have, have a Pearl Harbor or or reunion, which would have been phenomenal. Uh, That could have been great. Yeah. That could have I been love really great. Ah, oh, me too. That was wonderful. Gosh. Me too. Um, but so for Affleck, I will say I think for what he was given, he did a pre- he did a really good job. Like rewatching this movie, I go, you know, you're not my favorite part, but you do a really good job with what you're given. And uh, Jesse Eisenberg as uh, Lex Luthor. At first, I was like, you know what, I'm okay with you. And I think I can grow to like you, though, in specifically the fact that I looked at Henry Cavill as Superman, and then I looked at Jesse Eisenberg, and I did some research, <laughs> and I saw, oh, you guys are the exact same age, and you are completely Wild. on the other end of the spectrum. 
and you're kind of Elon Muskish. You're kind of super genius nerd behind a computer, which is a different take on Lex Luthor than we've ever seen. I'm more used to the charismatic GQ Lex Luthor, as I like to describe him, which I, which now with a little bit of time and seeing how, you know, billionaires actually are, makes a hell of a lot more sense. I think would have worked a lot better at points, but that's a whole other point that I'm going to come to later. I think I think now with some perspective and seeing this garbage fire of a three-hour movie, it really doesn't work, and really kind of shows that Zack Snyder really wanted to make a Batman movie because he doesn't act like Lex Luthor. And again, that's kind of bad screenwriting. I've seen Jesse Eisenberg be really good and stuff, but mm-hmm. it's really not too good gal gadot at the time i was just like oh from fast and furious 5 you were that super skinny hot chick that's right cool 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 cool. it'll be fine (laughs) i am and that was kind of it and that's all she had really done at the time and then you know she was wonder woman uh i think i i have a mix i'm i personally am not the biggest gal gadot fan in that i think she's stunning i think she's gorgeous I think she does very much look like she knows how to throw a punch, which is very, which is actually really nice and probably uh, makes a point on her uh, Krav Maga training thing, which I think is important to have in, and you should know oh, how to throw a punch and you should know, oh, you should look like you know what you're doing. And Gal Gadot absolutely sells it. I don't think she's the a very good actress and that's just me saying that that and if all you twitter trolls and all of you internet <laughs> losers want to come after me go ahead that's just my opinion huh? oh i don't care and i will say this to the end of my days does she make a great wonder woman yeah she makes a good wonder woman but, uh who else is in this amy adams is in lois lane but that's a whole other point she does fine and uh jeremy irons as alfred was probably my favorite casting in this whole sassy alfred (laughs) just nails it like he really does and you know and henry cavill comes back as superman and again a good actor is not given the, the real meat of a part even though he's the second main character overall i think that the cast is fine for what it is and for what these people are trying to do it's fine i think you could have done a lot better josh brolin to me who was i think the first choice would have nailed it he would have done so good i would have gone with a younger uh batman personally i know we had talked about it uh eric we had gone back and forth and that you would wanted uh john ham to be i've wanted john ham as batman for years Back in my day. <laughs> and personally, I was never really... I was never a big fan of Mad Men. Again, you internet trolls. Dang! Yeah, I don't dude, care. That's, that's the one. I <laughs> really the don't care. I really don't care. It is boring. It is just work drama in the 60s. and like I... Okay, I will argue that. Mad Men is fantastic, but that's for a whole nother podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. You, but yeah. You, I remember you specifically had a different person in mind for Batman, too. I did. I had uh, lesser-known Juilliard-trained actor Sam Witwer from Being Human, from Smallville, from, uh, I think in recent years he was on Supergirl. 
well, or the Flash. He was uh, Star Killer in The Force Unleashed. I had saw. I, I I'm a big Sam Witwer fan. I had met him in person at a Comic Con. He was super lovely. He was super nice. And kind of seeing him in person, I kind of had a moment where I was going up to him, just like, you know, you'd make a great Bruce Wayne, or you'd make an interesting choice for Batman. And I saw a photoshopped version of him with the cowl. He had the jawline. He had everything. And I went, all right, that's my choice. It's out of left field. It's weird. But you know what? It's kind of that uh, Christopher Reeve version and that I enjoy. And I would really enjoy seeing a, a really weird choice for Batman. And, and that was my pick. Well, and we ultimately did get that super weird choice with Robert Pattinson. But that's another podcast for another day. Chris, what do mm-hmm. you think of those casting choices? Specifically, Ben Affleck as Batman, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor, etc. Um, I was excited about uh, Eisenberg, um, the Social Network. Really? TV. Well, okay. I before I had seen it, I mean, like, all right, it was different. Um, and then I, wa- I, I, I actually hate him in the film. I'm going to say that now. I don't like what he did. I think he's a great actor, though, because in The Social Network, he was fantastic. But again, oh, for sure. it's Zack Snyder and David Fincher. There's a mile, a country mile <laughs> in difference in, in directing prowess in those two. But um, I, I, I mimic every single word that Andrew says about Gal Gadot. And I, and I tell this to anybody who listens. I think there's this part in Entourage where uh, – in Entourage HBO series, if anybody doesn't know – where Ari tells Vince, I didn't sign you because I think you could act. I signed you because you're a movie star. And that's how I feel about Gal Gadot. I don't think she's done anything believable. I mean, as Wonder Woman, she's got that look that's got that squirrel, you know, on YouTube for so long. But she's beautiful, (laughs) right? She's beautiful and she's believable. I mean, so you cut her a lot of slack. And and to your point, Andrew, she was in the Israeli army for two years um, because I think she's an Israeli citizen. They have to go to the army for two years. So that's why she she has that. Um, I think that she's she's great as Wonder Woman. Sure. And they down they don't linger on her um, on her character too much in BVS. I think they drop they have droplets of her. I think that's great. It's not heavy handed. Um so I was okay with that. But when, every time I see Gal Gadot, I think to myself, she's beautiful, but eh, she doesn't really – like Henry Cavill. In my opinion, he's beautiful, but he's eh, – I don't know if I really believe him in this, that, or the other. So so I was okay with her being cast, but again, you know, it's, it's whatever. And as far as uh, Affleck, I had mixed emotions on this man. Like I looked it up, and Dark Knight Rises uh, came out in 2012. Mm-hmm. This came out in 2016, so we're four years removed from what is, you know, for a while. I mean, I saw Michael Keaton's Batman um, in the theater. I'm dating myself here, but oh. I thought to myself, Michael Keaton is – my dad took me fuckers. Take it down a notch. And, uh, <laughs> I remember taking my high school sweetheart to go see Batman in 1989. <laughs> And so, where do you hide so, your rotary make, phone, Chris? It's like, it's, have you guys seen a, have you guys seen a Neighbors with Zac yes. Efron and uh, Seth Rogen when they ask who's Batman, and then and then Seth Rogen <laughs> says Michael Keaton, and then Zac Efron says no, it's uh, it's Christian, Christian Bale. Bale. I'm Batman, you know. So they have yeah. that conversation. So it's my favorite scene for me, movie. it's like, it is it, Christian Bale was Batman, and mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy was Batman. It was so 
it was so good for so many different reasons and and i think right before they had casted uh affleck they had talked about extending the role to um to bail and i think yeah. for a while i thought about it but they had said he would want an excess of i and again this has been a long time so i think the number was 30 30 million up front and then he would have considered it it wasn't even like contract but that's its asking price and the more they negotiated i think at that point he fell out or he chose not to because i mean i get it but could you imagine christian bale as batman it's in it's, it's so interesting to me like when you say that because i f- i feel like it it almost wouldn't work like you you think like they the direction that they went in for man of steel was almost to be like how do we fit superman into nolan's batman world but for me, the idea of Superman is so fantastical for the gritty, grounded, whatever you want to call it, version of Batman that Nolan gave that I feel like it would it would feel weird to me seeing him, especially the things that he does in this film. Like if we just inserted Christian Bale's Batman instead of Ben Affleck, the stuff that he did the martha stuff we'll get to um just all of the more fantastical aspects of him i don't know would jive really well and christian bale has gone on record saying you know in interviews like and i mean interviews you take with a grain of salt at this point you know after the fact sure sure. but he says you know the reason i didn't take it was because i didn't feel like they fit in my world I would have been fine coming back for another film in my world, but it felt like two different places. And I absolutely agree with that. I think that it yeah. was yeah. something that I again, I I don't know how I would feel until I see it, but just as sure. someone just in theoretics, like I don't know how I would have um how I would have taken to that. Uh, from my from my perspective, when it came to the casting, like Jesse Eisenberg is Lex Luthor, I made it very clear. Brian Cranston should have been Lex Luthor, and they courted him. <laughs> they courted him, and he was their top choice. And there is a there's an urban legend. I've never been able to actually like confirm this or whatever. Fine attribution, <laughs> but like my, my, I I got this from an anonymous source. But um, originally what they what it's what has gone around is that Jesse Eisenberg was brought in for the role of Jimmy Olsen and they decided to have him stay and do a reading as Lex Luthor and Zack saw his reading as Lex Luthor and decided I'm going to go with him instead. Now, again. Whether or not that's what happened, whatever. But for me, like, Jesse Eisenberg does not work as Lex Luthor. They make it very clear. I don't remember if they make it as clear in the theatrical cut, but in the Ultimate Edition, they make it very clear that this is Lex Luthor Jr. Um, That's something that not a lot of people, like, you know, talk about. And I think that that's something that I think they could have put a pin in to be like, this isn't the real Lex Luthor. His dad's the real Lex Luthor. But... Regardless, this is the Lex Luthor we got in this film. And for me, he is working on a Jim Carrey in Batman Forever level where he is trying to be the Riddler instead of Lex Luthor with his en- his manic energy, the way he stumbles over his lines. It's just not Lex Luthor for me. Um, there's also, and this is skipping way ahead, but I, ha- I just have it in my notes, like under Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. It says, holy shit, dude, wipe your nose. Now, if I remember correctly, and I did watch this, I marathoned this uh, yesterday, 
Um, I think that's referring to at the very end when he's shouting at Batman about how the bell is the bell cannot be unrung. And he's just like shouting and like snot is just coming down his nose and out. And I'm like, dude, gross. Like, come on. Like, it pulled me out of the scene. And it's it's just, it's weird. Um, Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman. I actually really, really liked. I really liked her in uh, Fast and Furious. Um, if I haven't made it clear how much I love those movies, I love those movies. Um, All right, but... Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So... <laughs> Willem. Um, anyway, but I I really, I enjoyed her in that movie, and when she was cast, I was like, oh, okay, that's weird. Because I was I was a big proponent for Jamie Alexander. Um, if you're not familiar with the name, she was Sif in Thor. Um, in both the Thor movies, I thought she would make a an incredible Wonder Woman. She was essentially already playing Wonder Woman in those films. Um, and I was... Go ahead. No, just just on, the, on, just on a different point, I wanted Gina Carano as wonder woman that was a name that i heard floated a lot too who was also in fast and furious (laughs) (laughs) yes she was it's a it's it's a focus point everybody goes there um and that was a name that was floated around for that role as well before they ultimately went with gal gadot um and then she ended up making her comic book movie debut with deadpool but i was I was interested to see what she did. I really liked the costume reveal, even though, just like with all the costume reveals, the colors were ultra-saturated, so you couldn't see anything. Um, but I really liked her. In this movie, she has nothing to do. That is my criticism of it. They, they're basically like, every like 15 or 20 minutes, they're like, hey guys, it's Wonder Woman. Remember Wonder Woman? And she just kind of like passes by. She does a little drive-by in the story, and that's it. Um, until she shows up at the very end. But what she does do is she does enough to make me want to see more of her. And that theme still slaps. I don't care how many people say that it's it's overrated. The... I love it. It gets yeah. me so hyped every single time. I love it so much. It's so fucking it's really good. good. It's a really, it is a very good score. It's yeah, with excellent music. With Ben Affleck as Batman, um, I remember distinctly having those conversations with you in the bar, being like huddled over our phones, like, "Dude, this might be the, this might be the one. This might be the Batman." Um, and as Batman, he is imposing. He is brutal. The intro scene for Batman, where they really lean into like the horror aspect of him, where they're like, you know. Despite, like, the awkward, like, hanging from the corner of the room. Like, I think it's utilized really well where it's, like, the cops show up after Batman has already gone through there. And you're seeing, like, batarangs. You're seeing bits of, like, broken wood. Really, really well sets up. Like, this guy is a monster. And when they go down to, you know, try to free the um, sex trafficked people, they, like, shut the gate back again because they're, they don't they're like he's still here and it's like whoa okay this is this uh, this is interesting um and then i you know i liked seeing him just like avoiding the shotgun fire and kind of crawling up because it sells this idea that he's like an urban legend he's this creature of the night i liked that what i did not like (laughs) in a physics ads point it makes absolutely no sense Right, Superman. right, but but Superman. That, that also Superman. has, but that has all right, all physics um, sense in a world with Superman. 
It's yellow radiation. I don't know. It makes more sense than him crawling on a on a ceiling. That's all I'm saying. And this but, is what I'm talking but about. But that's like, got nothing Christian to do Bale's with Batman Ben Affleck, could never do though. It. Christian Bale's and that's got Batman nothing. could never do that because he was so grounded. Right, but th that's not saying that he couldn't. I, I get what you're saying, right. right? But Ben Affleck has nothing to do with how that character is written. That could have been you in that suit hanging on the wall and crawling up that point. We, we didn't that know. That would have been hilarious so, because I'm 5'5 five five and Ben Affleck is 6'4. You see me like flopping around <laughs> in that, that costume. I can't reach all the way down. I will be on point that I have seen Eric in a Batman costume and he looks stuck. <laughs> um, I will say, like, like I said, he is an imposing and brutal Batman. He's an effortless Bruce Wayne. Like when he was cast, I was like, that's a perfect Bruce Wayne. Um, it, it was the same thing that I had with um, with George Clooney, where I was like, great Bruce Wayne. That's easy Bruce Wayne. Let's see what he does with Batman. M one of my favorite moments is during the uh, the party scene where Ben Affleck has to pretend that he's drunk as Bruce Wayne because uh, Mercy finds him and he's like, I like your shoes. And I was just like, that's so Ben Affleck and it's so Bruce Wayne. It works so well. Um, we already touched on it. Sassy Alfred, Jeremy Irons doing his best Scar impression as Alfred, and it's so good. I love it so much. Um, but the fundamental misstep for me, and the reason that I think that as much as Zack Snyder wanted to make a Batman film, he fundamentally does not understand Batman, is that Batman kills in this movie. Batman kills a lot. I looked it up. <laughs> I counted. I did a tally. And this is, I mean, granted, this is across, you know, the nightmare sequence and stuff, too. But I did a tally while I was watching this for every person he killed. He kills 21 people over the course of this film by itself. And that is not to speak of all of the people that he cripples, all of the people that he has killed prior to the events of this film. His, like, little branding thing, basically being a death sentence in prison. Um... Mm -hmm. There are certain things that really bother me about that. And on the other hand, it really feeds into the fact that Zack Snyder was taking so much influence from The Dark Knight Returns and from Frank Miller. Now, Andrew, I know that you have an interesting perspective on this, on why Zack Snyder took so much inspiration from Frank Miller and specifically his perspective on how Batman should be utilized in the story. Well, there's interesting facts on bringing uh, Zack Snyder into for Batman. Uh, mainly, I think why Batman versus Superman had to exist is because like this sort of concept has been around since the 90s, or has been around since the early 2000s, and there is early drafts of this script going far back as that as to that point. Um, However, there's an interesting correlation between Frank Miller and Zack Snyder. Uh, Frank Miller is on quote of saying that Ayn Rand, the uh, famous 1940s and 1930s writer, or has been a big influence on his work. I can't remember the name of the comic book specifically, but there is a comic book in that it almost parallels uh, Atlas Shrugged entirely. It's a five-issue comic, and then he, he makes that direct quote in saying how Ayn Rand was a big influence for him. Uh, Zack Snyder is unquote by saying that he wants to make a Fountainhead movie. That'd be a very boring movie for a, for a director who is great with cinematography. Now, for, the, for those of us who don't know what Fountainhead is, just briefly explain what that is. It is 
It is two architects making building and competing against each other, and that's it. There's there's <laughs> nothing else about that Stunning. god-awful book. It Stunning. is terrible. I got halfway through that piece of trash writing, and I closed it, and I said, this is awful. This is so bad. And again, you internet nerds can come after me. I don't care. Here, I ran. Andrew, Andrew is very combative with the internet in this episode bring it um that's not fair i do i do enjoy one ass i do enjoy one book of ayn rand and that that is anthem and so there's this point in batman versus superman and that when if you look at it in a philosophical point you can see that this specific batman and even frank miller's batman really does follow that objectivism point it you can see that all of ayn rand's main characters are tall they're handsome they're uh against the system that they are and they're very independent that checks the boxes for frank miller's batman entirely like batman and frank miller's world is not about the system he is not about the collective he is doing what he wants to do because he knows that if he just pushes his own way success around him will come forward which what, however you live your philosophical life is up to you. Oh, but this Batman in Batman versus Superman, again, checks those boxes. He, is, he goes for the ladies and the ladies come to him. He is all about creating his own wealth. He is all about oh, himself. He is all about creating a world around him. He's an atheist, as it kind of points out in multiple, movie, in multiple points, as well as Ayn Rand was. And he's very much an objectivist. And Zack Snyder, again, following that philosophical point of Ayn Rand, you can see that he really wants to do that take on Batman. Now, I'm not saying that those elements can't be used for Batman. In fact, they really should be used for Batman. If you want to make a point in, where Batman's the hero and not the villain, and in most in most cases, which... Funny, the, the worst part to me is that Henry Cavill's Superman does kind of bring up points of just like, hey, this guy's kind of attacking people of less fortune. This guy is kind of trampling on civil liberties. This guy's not a hero. This guy's a menace. And this guy is a dark vigilante, which is really he's kind of... He's a menace to society. And well, I want is. pictures of him on my he desk. He is, completely. And like kind of seeing him go about that, it's really quite fascinating to go, oh yeah, Batman's... Batman's just kind of a rich asshole who goes against poor people who are less fortunate than him and who are in terrible situations. Like, why has no one else talked about this? And then the rest of the movie happens and it never gets brought up again. But, <laughs> like, there is a point to, to say, oh, Batman can definitely follow the Ayn Rand formula and still be quite interesting and make a good point. The issue kind of comes in in that Superman is supposed to be about the collective. Superman is supposed to be about the caringness and making sure that everyone has a fair point and making sure that everyone has a good deal to them and that making sure that everybody is safe. However, Zack Snyder brings in a, a style of just like, well, yeah, well, he's still an objectivist because of this and because of that. And, it, and you can't have those two in one pot. Like, as much as he tries to meet in the middle in saying that, I'm kind of skipping ahead here, but in that Lois Lane is his world and that this is all his world and that he sacrifices himself for the world, spoilers, it doesn't work with what we're given beforehand. And of this Superman who's just like, I want to do my own thing and I want to make sure that my opinions are, are straight and my opinions matter. So you have this sort of half objectivist, half collective of Superman with this hard objectivist Batman trying to collide together 
and it just gets mixed and matched in that it, it just doesn't work out philosophically. Right? And for this Batman, there to kind of comes to a point where it's just like, all right, man, like I'm really confused on why you're angry. Right? And then I realized something. It's because, and in quotes in the movie, Superman killed his family, which is a capitalistic view of going, oh, your business is your family. Wayne Tower in Metropolis was destroyed, right? And so your family was killed. This is how they control us. This is how they try, this is how capitalism enslaves us. This is the <laughs> technique and this is the terms. And we come back from the episode before and how I said this was this movie was produced by a Trump supporter in that your family equals your business. Your family does not equal your business. Yes, you can fire people in your business. You can't fire your family. Like, it's a whole other thing. That's untrue. I have fired people from my family. There is. <laughs> but to, to your point, I think that it's it makes sense that um, Batman is coming from this very like um, pragmatic philosophical place. And that's kind of clashing with this image that we got from Superman from the first film, which is very religious based. And the two having this weird culture clash makes a really messy and complicated situation. Now, Chris, I know that Batman was coming, you know, we've talked about Batman's philosophical influences. And I know that with Superman and Man of Steel, we talked about the uh, religious uh, influences and the religious imagery with him. Uh, you made the point last episode that the religious sim uh, symbolism with Superman is almost dialed up in Batman v Superman. Now, what what did you mean by that? Well, there's a couple, and then they really lean into it here. I mean, anybody who's seen the film would know the parts we're talking about. Like when, um, and I think Ben Affleck is talking about it. Superman is kind of hovering over this flooded house. It's got SOS and the Superman signal on there. It might even say save us. And actually, it's funny. I'm watching it right now. And the in the part where Clark sees the fire in Mexico and, and he hears, oh, they're just going to let them die. He leaves, rescues the child. And, and again, as he's coming down, he's floating down, holding, it just happens to be Day of the Dead um, in, in Mexico. And so he... He, he rescues this kid and then all of these uh these people start to like chant to him like bow down to him you know what i mean it just it really kind of to me it, he's made out in this to be much more of a god figure and 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 to piggyback off of of andrew's point well there's a lot to unpack what he said in there what i kind of took away with that was that batman who either agnostic or atheist would wouldn't that be the the, the exact opposite if how they were going to portray Superman as being a godlike figure and then opposed by agnostic or atheist. And I think that they really kind of lean into that. And and while I don't necessarily see some of those things, Andrew's much more, uh, I'm not even going to say this right, he's much better read than I am when it comes to those types of things. I do think they create these two very different but equally motivated individuals where Batman's got the well the ju the ends the means justify the end, right? So what I can brand people, but if these are bad people, who fucking cares? Very Punisher, right? Very Frank Castle. Mm -hmm. If these are bad people, no one's gonna miss them. So then you know, we start you know peeling some of them off. But again, I love the conversation that Clark has with Perry, 
and he says, you know, he's judge, jury, and executioner. And then we get that scene, which I don't think was in the theatrical cut, when Clark goes to the police station. Right. And then, yeah. you know, he says Completely it's cut basically out. Yeah. a death sentence, right? Mm-hmm. Which I'm not not to not to get sidetracked, but I think that the extended cut gives more motivation to both characters. Absolutely. And really kind of fills in, you know. And, 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 and of course, it what is it like two hundred two hours and thirty minutes something like that. It's it's a lot. It, it, it was two hours and thirty minutes for the theatrical cut. Oh, the ultimate edition is like three hours. Yeah, feels like feels like to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think to your point, but, like it really the additional um, the additional footage and the like the lowest bullet subplot is kind of paired up with the um, Clark Kent investigative subplot where he's learning more about Batman. He's learning about how he's ruining lives. He's learning about how he's going after the poor people and all of these things that just don't sit right with him, which for me in the theatrical cut, when I remember watching it, I was like, they are going straight into just attacking each other and being like, let's, you know, let's fight. And this really does flesh out more of that more of their uh, intentions and motivations behind that. Now, all of that really kind of kicks off with the opening scene, which I will argue is still awesome. The opening scene for this film, which is um, titled Metropolis, Mankind is Introduced to the Superman. I still think that opening scene rules. It is the recounting of the final Metropolis battle as many problems I have with that, but from the perspective of the ground level, and you are watching, like, buildings getting toppled over while Bruce Wayne is trying to make his way into the uh, into the city. Now, what do you guys think about this opening? Andrew, I'll start with you. Uh, well, I was kind of annoyed by it because it was basically a Jeep commercial. Well, for the first half of it. <laughs> like, he's, like, literally, it is a they Jeep had all, commercial. They had all the sponsorship in the first movie. They had to show that this was the same universe with the sponsorship here. Like, it is so bad. Like, you can take out those entire scenes, and it is literally a car commercial. He was just driving around. They actually use that footage in the Jeep commercial. I of him, like, weaving through the rubble right. that's dropping. You're absolutely right. <laughs> like, that's all. And, like, those, like it's, it's astounding how the first, like, 15 or 10 minutes of Man, Man of Steel actually builds story, actually builds groundwork, and actually builds into this. And the first, like, five minutes of this movie is literally just Batman driving a regular car. And, like, we can go into, you know, the points on just how, like, like for some reason Gotham is like a, is New is New Jersey or it is no it's Staten Island to Metropolis is New York, which is a very odd choice in my opinion. But like I, it like from right from the get go I was just like, can we hurry this up? Like what are we doing here, folks? Get to the get to the point. I enjoy the scene where everyone's running in one direction and bet and we keep calling him Ben Affleck and not he's Ben Affleck. <laughs> Affleck. <laughs> like Bruce Wayne runs into the dust of cloud and he runs into danger. I enjoy that point. point. But other than that, like it, like everything just annoys me. Like the the manager of of uh, the Metropolis Goth or the Metropolis Wayne Enterprises building and uh, praying to Jesus to forgive him. Uh, his name was Jack. Oh, it was Jack. Ben Affleck clearly shouts it as the building comes toppling down. Jack! 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 
again, <laughs> like he didn't say it during the Jeep commercial, so I just probably tuned it out. But like, it's this thing of, of just like, all right, that's really extreme. And then I realize in the theater, just like, oh, this is how this the rest of this movie is going to be, isn't it? They learned nothing from the first time. Oh, no. And to your point, Chris, I think you do have an excellent point in how, yeah, having an atheist or an, or an agnostic counterpart to the obvious Jesus symbolism in Superman really does work. But at the same time, I think it can also work on the opposite view of having a more spiritual or religious man going, this is not my savior. This is not my hero. This is somebody who is obviously reckless. This is obviously someone who causes more destruction than a savior figure can can warrant, which could have been very proven in the first uh, few minutes of this movie. But again, capitalism and marketing had to fill in that Jeep commercial and had to fill in those seats. And remember, it's all only eat 10 easy payments of $10,000 to own this car. Or just really didn't <laughs> so, sell it for me. So, Chris, how did you feel about that opening? <laughs> um, you know, it's hard to watch that and not think of 9-11. More so to mm-hmm. me than the end of Man of Steel, like you had mentioned. But that's exactly what I what I feel when I see that, especially the part that Andrew had mentioned where Bruce Wayne runs into the dust cloud, and um, mm-hmm. which I I think that's a, a noble thing. I think right away, his motivation for hating Superman is 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 galvanized in that first ten minutes of it, seven minutes, however long it is. As a spectacle, it's it's great because I think it picks up exactly where the other movie left off. So, film wise, cinematic wise. If you're telling your producer, hey, it picks up right when, you know, the last fight is, but we see this other point of view. We see Batman's point of view. And you can see executives popping wood at the idea of kind of having, you know, and having this event. And this is like, oh, okay, well, and because at this point in time, um, so I looked it up at this point in time uh, for the MCU uh, nearly, I think at this point they had looked at Civil War had come out. Mm-hmm. And so... So, right. So, you know, you know how I feel about Civil War. Um, And if you don't, it's incredible. It's my favorite MCU film. Um, (laughs) It is my favorite. So, so, you know, we've got these Warner Brothers executives saying, well, let me pitch you this. This is how we start our story. And I'm thinking, you know, watching them, it's, it's done well. I think it's, it's, it, it invokes an emotion. You put your shoes in, in, in Batman's shoes, I guess, or Clark or uh, Bruce Wayne's shoes, because you feel that, you know, his individual, his friend, I'm assuming it's his friend dies or stepfather, or I, I guess it's never, it's never really explained, but his again, I go back his, his employee. Yeah. Right. The biggest part for me that I didn't like about that was, um, was the religious part of it. It's mm-hmm. so heavy handed where, you know, Very God so. creator of heaven and earth have mercy on myself. He didn't have to say any of that shit. There could have been a look in the camera, a resignation on his face, knowing he was going to die, and then it just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. You know, but it, but again, the the first part of this, going back to it, Christopher Nolan was uh, in in uh, uh, Man of Steel as part of the story. He had no part of the DCEU going forward. So right. it's probably not going to be a surprise that we're going to talk about how bad or disjointed this story is. So, so I do I do want to talk to you about that just from a 
from a screenwriting perspective, we did talk about that in the previous episode about the flaws with the screenwriting. We did mention that this time David Escoyer was not getting the only uh, screenwriting credits on this. Uh, ben Affleck also brought in Chris Terrio to punch up certain things. And from a perspective, not, and I want to ask you this as somebody who has written many scripts and made many things oh. and worked on editing and producing and pacing when it comes to these stories, um, mm. kind of looking at what the, and I guess we can only, well, I guess we could talk about the theatrical release as well. How do you think the pacing was of this film when it comes to revealing things when it comes to furthering the story and is there anything you would have moved around anything you would have shifted to make the movie uh flow a little bit better sure i would have made two of them i think and i think at this point make making we, this film into two yeah and i think gotcha i, I remember hearing that maybe they, there was the idea of that um but it's been from seeing these films they run long because they're they're they have so much catch up to do. I think they know that, right? Mar uh, uh, Warner Brothers knew right at this point, we were already in phase three of the MCU when Batman vs Superman came out. So mm -hmm. we're trying to play catch up and we need to play catch up like right now, right? We need to stay relevant in this before we get blown the fuck out. So I think because of that, they have a tendency to jam pack these films. And I think may, I would like to have seen a Batman film, a standalone Batman film in the vein of Man of Steel, maybe two years after Man of Steel, and then a Batman v Superman two years after that, because As the third film, I think yeah. you would have been able to unpack more of that. You could have given uh, Baffleck a little bit more time to kind of build out that, that world, because right now it just feels so jam-packed. It feels like you're getting hit with so much stuff, and I, I, I hate the Lex Luthor part. I hate everything about... Now, again, I'm a Jesse Eisenberg <laughs> fan. I liked Social Network a lot. I liked... Mm -hmm. I, I don't mind Zombieland. I love... Oh, God, there's Adventureland. Love Adventureland. Yes. And, and, right? So I know he can do decent shit, but, and again, I, I, I blame the writing 100 fucking percent in, in this film, and I think that had they said you know what let's split up let's give every character their due time i think it had been so much more the, the 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 lex luther stuff none of it works for me none of it none of it works for me at all and i think that that's the biggest disjointed part for me because then what do we have we don't have a galvanizing we've got the marthas the marthas and then again the right why did you like, say that name Right. Who the fuck's that? And said, that's a great, let's, let's bring that. That's how we're going to bring these two together. It's just, I just hated so much about this. I can't, there's no other way to sugarcoat it. And well, and I think if they had taken your approach and made the first film Man of Steel, made the second film Batman focused, and almost if they wanted to go in that direction and make the end of Batman, of, of the Batman film tie into the end of sure. Man of Steel, almost having them happen, you know, at the same yeah. time. That could Stack have timeline, really yeah. been like, oh shit, this is, oh my god, what the, what's happening here? Um, and I think that we could say that about a lot of things. There are a lot of things that they decided, let's put this in. And we talked about last episode about making this 
about establishing Man of Steel as the Iron Man, as something that is going to be a film to open us up into the DCEU. And ultimately, I the reason that I think that that wasn't and Batman v Superman was is because this film really isn't even about Batman or Superman. This film is more about being a backdoor pilot for the greater DC universe. There is a scene dedicated to Diana Prince to Wonder Woman looking through a laptop at files that I guess Lex Luthor had compiled on Aquaman, Flash, and Cyborg. We have no basis for any of this. If you don't know who these characters are, you have no idea what they're doing there. You have no idea why they're being used in this movie other than your friend who you who dragged you to this movie to be like, oh my god, that's Flash, Cyborg, and Aquaman. This is great. Holy shit. And like, it's not something that I think is necessary in the movie. And a lot of this stuff is unnecessary. There are things that I think they needed to spend more time with consequences for what happened in metropolis they touch on it here and i think they could have gone further with it uh the the debate should there be a superman they have this phenomenal scene where they are using holly hunter as this senator who doesn't know you know should there be a superman they linger on it and then they just cut away like are we not getting the answer to this what's happening here um, Wouldn't there, that be a great sequel, though? Wouldn't that absolutely. have been a great Man of Steel two to have to be focused on that part of it, the consequences, the collateral damage part of it? Absolutely, you know? it, it would have been fantastic. And I think that originally, Man of Steel two was supposed to be this before they decided, mm. oh, we're going to use this to bring in Batman and the rest of them. Um, there's there's a line that I specifically wrote down because it bothers the shit out of me, and it really, um, I think it really speaks to what is wrong with the film in itself um superman is about to go off to fight batman there's this whole martha thing whatever um and lois is basically telling him you shouldn't go do this and superman instead of going yeah you're right why don't just go tell batman hey they've got my mom and we go rescue her together instead he he you know does his dower turn to lois as the rain falls outside and says Nothing stays good in this world. And I thought to myself, what a shit take for Superman to have. And Chris made an absolutely great point last episode, though I guess we could say Jess made a great point last episode. That's bullshit. Shout out to Jess if she does listen to this. If Chris, <laughs> if Chris ever uh, lets her listen to this so that she can get the her, her just reward. Um, that Superman should inspire hope. And a Superman who believes nothing stays good in this world is not a Superman that is worth watching, in my opinion. Um, Even coming down to, like, the Batman vs. Superman fight, like, the iconography is fantastic. The imagery of, you know, Batman standing in the rain and Superman coming down through the bat signals, fantastic. The two of them clashing, it's great. The actual fight itself is not great. The fight choreography is weird the shaky cam doesn't make any sense the layers doesn't just from a viewership standpoint and i think chris can speak more to the actual composition of the scene itself um it just it doesn't it doesn't flow as well as it should be like there is a there's an ebb and flow when it comes to as a perfect example uh captain america civil war um we could talk about the airport fight for days and days, but I want to talk about just the fight between Cap, 
Bucky and Iron Man. There is Mm -hmm. a fantastic wrenching up of tension and a wrenching up of uh, drama and stakes as the fight goes on. And this one doesn't feel like that because you know something else has to happen beyond this. Uh, Chris, what do you think just comparing those two as scenes, as, you know, climaxes of a film? Because I guess technically the Batman v Superman fight isn't even the climax of the film, even though it's the title card. What really are the differences and how does that um, how does that make one, I guess, more celebrated and one more uh, not? Sure. No, no, that's that's a good question. I'm glad you asked that. And I think. Um, we go back to it, and I could literally say that uh, at this point in time, Iron Man has had three films made about him, two films made about him. Captain America's had two. We've had two Avenger films. It's just you care, and you care about, and you care about both their point of views. And here's my thing too: for for Iron Man and Cap, they're both equally motivated. I mean, you see, the the Bucky's been with Cap for three films now, actually. Yeah, three films now. And he's kind of been his story arc through the MCU. And Iron Man has always talked about his parents, like through 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 all of them. It is completely grand. So now we have an event that that charges them together. And it, we've been with them for, at this point, six years. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of grown with them. You give a shit. I don't really care about Ben Affleck's Batman or Henry Cavill's Superman. And, and the, most, the biggest thing about it for me is that I think Marvel does a great job leaning into the fans and the history. And there's the shot, and I'm sure you guys know about it. I didn't even know about it until Eric let me borrow the comic, where uh, Cap is deflecting Iron Man's uh, 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 there's that shot yeah. between the pillars. Yes, and they that 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 organically flows into their fight. It just shows you how much Marvel cares about doing that. And then you have the Batman versus Superman fight, which it just feels it feels dumb. It feels like a, a tanked up <laughs> Batman against a god. It just it doesn't feel like this is ever gonna go a specific way. And honestly, when I was watching, I just didn't care. It wasn't smart. It wasn't shot particularly well. It wasn't lit particularly well. There was nothing exceptional about it. Whereas in the MCU, not only was it exceptional. On the choreograph part of it, you, you felt like there was an ebb and flow between the fight. But also, you gave a shit. Honestly, I didn't really care. I've only been with Cavill for two Superman and Ben Affleck for about two hours at this point. I just didn't care. You know, for, for me, that was the biggest part of it. It just didn't work as a fundamental standpoint on so many different levels. You just didn't care. Mm-hmm. You know, it, to piggyback off of Chris, it wasn't earned. Like, we had two and a half hours to try and understand why Batman was doing it. And it never made any sense when in Captain America's Civil War, which funny enough has similar philosophical points that this movie tries to bring up. It really does feel well earned. And like Chris said, it uses imagery from the comics so well, which kind of shows that actual fans of the comic books made one movie and people who skimmed the Wikipedia page made another one. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And it's, you know, speaking of people just not fundamentally understanding something and not really like giving us reasons to get invested or give a shit doomsday. The, the big climax to this film and something that I think 
ultimately did contribute to stirring to uh, to steering the film into not good waters was that they decided to smash together the Dark Knight Returns and the death of Superman together. They brought in Doomsday as this weird like third act climax fight. First of all, he was spoiled in the second trailer, which he shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. That is just, that's a failure on the marketing yeah. team. The CGI does not look good. Ugh. Yeah. Otherwise, a plus comic adaptation. Honestly, you know what? He's <laughs> just Doomsday has always been a nothing character in this movie. He is a nothing character. He is built to kill Superman, and that is the exact same um, uh, plot that he is made to be here. He is a plot device to get Superman from point A to point B, from up in the sky to down in the ground. And what he does here is give us this, you know, dumb, hard-to-watch, hard-to-see-anything fight between him and the Trinity. Um, It is cool seeing Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman together. It's lessened by the fact that Batman is holding a gun in that. Like, you can tell that that shot was supposed to be like, oh, this is our Joss Whedon Avengers, all the Avengers, you know, circled around shot. But it would be real different if Iron Man was holding the severed head of a human being. And it's like, that fundamentally doesn't go with what Iron Man does. And it's the same thing here. It's turning this into some weird, like, they have the kryptonite spear, and for some reason, Wonder Woman can't use it, but Superman can. Like, it's it makes no sense, and you recognize halfway through the film, halfway through the fight, as I did, halfway through the fight, just, oh, they're trying to kill him. Oh, okay, that's why they keep doing this. Okay, got it. Got it, I see what they're doing. And so when the end ultimately does come, and Doomsday stabs Superman through the chest, there's no shock, there's no investment, there's no sadness, which you need all three in a good death scene. Specifically Mm. one where you're killing off your main character. And ultimately this film fails at the things that it's supposed to be good at. It's imagery, it's characters, and it's storytelling. Um, When it comes to comic book adaptations, those are the things that we lean on. Uh, The Batman warehouse scene is something that fans of this movie will point to every single time. I will say, as someone who has seen it a few times, that scene gets worse with every repeat viewing. Because all I focus on are the people dying. It's like, oh, that one's dead. Okay, he shot that person. Okay, like when we went to see it in the theater, I was sitting next to John Noble. Yeah, that's and you know right. it's loud in the theater, right? And, and yeah, this is how I could audibly hear John sighing. He's like, oh, oh, I'm like, he's not, <laughs> he's not enjoying this. <laughs> and that's 2016, John Noble, before he was jaded with the world. <laughs> no, we love you, John. Um, but no, it's it really is again a fundamental not understanding of these characters and that reflected Mm -hmm. in the film and in its accolades uh we talked about the huge drop from week one to week two we talked about the fact that it did not do as well as it should have on paper this should have been a billion dollar uh comic book movie 
if any big like hey this is going to be our big dc film that breaks a billion dollars it's got batman superman and wonder woman in it this should be the one up till that point and ultimately what what it walked away with was a little bit of money and five awards want to guess what awards they were hit him with the razzie hit him with the razzie (laughs) four razzies Man of Steel was better than Batman v Superman officially. So the Razzies were uh, Worst Film of the Year, um, Worst Director, uh, Worst Actor in Henry Cavill, and um, uh, there's one more. Anyway, it was the worst. And then the only other uh, award that it got was Best upcoming poster so for two films in a row man of steel walks away the dceu and Zack snyder walk away with the best poster for an upcoming film award take that marvel take that dc (laughs) dceu has already got where are the poster awards for captain america civil war where are they kevin feige yeah you know, it's funny how they say there. that the stunt works should be in the Oscars, which I completely agree with. I will never vote for posters being in the Oscars. <laughs> like, hands down, like, right. absolutely not. So, and it wasn't even a cool poster. It's a stu- They're both stupid posters. Like, they're not even good posters. <laughs> like, get into it. Get into it right now. As, as, someone who, as someone who has worked on posters and recently has helped to uh, helm some posters for projects that he has currently that you can view on yeah. many different platforms. Tell me, break down <laughs> these posters, man. Break, break them down. They're, break them down. Well, the, Ma- the Man of Steel poster is the, is, is the most simple. It looks like it was a concept poster because there was nothing to it. And then the just, and then the BBS with the three actors in the front of it. It's like, what the, like, there's no, <laughs> how did this win an award? <laughs> Like, there are no other films. It's like, come on. Yeah, look at And while yeah. you look it up, um, FYI, the budget for this film was 250 right? We know that? Yes. Want to guess the budget for Civil War? What was Which the came out the Civil same War? year. I'm, I'm going to say 275 I'm going to say 230 230 Yep. What? Yep. And you oh, want to know what the... Oh, so, the take... For uh, is this opening weekend? The take for North America on Civil War was four hundred million dollars. Yeah, worldwide it was a billion one. Of course, of course it was. Of course it was. Chris is right. These posters are terrible. <laughs> right? They look, like, there's no ingenuity on these. I remember them. I'm like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a poster nut. I love going to the theater and like getting the coming soon posters. I think that's 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 always been a thing of mine. And I remember seeing these posters. I'm like, these are fucking dog shit. Like, there's nothing uh. unique about these posters. <laughs> but but going back to budget and made by people that give a fuck. So the first, uh, so let me see here. The first Avengers budget was 220. Okay. Um, the fr- uh, what's what else we got here? The uh, uh, Winter Soldier was two was 177. And it's arguably the best. Right. And so, like, it just shows, goes to show that it, you don't need a massive budget to tell a good story. It's just that DC was, you said it, I, I, I like the word fundamental. They failed just at a, at a storytelling issue. Like, that is, 
that's the basis. You don't you don't go anywhere without a good story. And it's just it's I'm at the part right now. And I want to get this out because <laughs> where the where where this film it fails a bunch of parts for me, but but the but visually it fails to me the first time that Superman sees Batman. It's just mm-hmm. there should be that moment where you have two of your principal characters facing off and it just doesn't Do you have the Right, you right. Who writes this shit? You will. Yeah, you will. It's like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. And then it just it just doesn't it just doesn't sit well with me, man. And the same reason when I when I saw Superman with the suit in Man of Steel and like it didn't I didn't have that moment. I should have had the moment here and I didn't have the moment. And it's like, man, if this is if this is your best shot, like when you watch UFC, we both we all watch UFC. If you get hit with someone's best shot and you're okay, it's like that's it. Like that person's not going to win. And yeah. at that point, I knew BVS wasn't going to win for me. And numbers wise, critic wise, it didn't win for a lot of people. Yeah, talk about the critical reception. We talked a little bit about that for Man of Steel. Yeah, it was horrible. Uh, <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> deservedly i mean so the budget was 250 we know that so we're Mm -hmm. expecting a big return on that our metacritic score is 44 44 out of 100 yeah it's the second worst out of the dceu anybody want to guess what the worst don't 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 spoil the worst don't don't spoil the worst okay we want to get to it okay let's spoil the worst all right but this is pretty bad (laughs) (laughs) and the rotten score is 28 Ooh, that's ten more than I would have given it. <laughs> <laughs> Which also is not the worst rotten score in the DCEU. I can't wait so, to talk about that one. Yeah. So, so overall, we've we've had a lot of fun today, and we've had a lot of fun with being really fucking negative about this film. Are there any redeeming qualities about this, Andrew? I'll start with you. No, Chris. Chris, <laughs> I will say this. That's a- I, I will say this um, again. Zack Snyder has made a pretty movie um, with what he is given. Ben Affleck does an okay job. Um, Jesse Eisenberg is playing discount Heath Ledger Joker. Nah. Just brings my point in that Zack Snyder really wanted to make a Batman movie and. I would I would have gone to go see a, a Zack Snyder Batman movie. That would have been okay. You did. Technically, I did. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> um, but honestly, the capitalistic viewpoints, the just again, it feels like a bat is being again is being thrown against my head. The I, I there's just so much. I just this, this movie makes me angry. This movie makes <laughs> me so angry. And like, I have to put in when I go see the doctor that I'm allergic to seeing Batman with a gun. I didn't think I would have to do that. And that's what this movie does. So no, there's really not a whole lot of redeeming qualities about this. Now give me your arbitrary rating for this film. Oh shit. God. To to, to remind everyone, he gave Man of Steel a 3.5 out of 10. No, I gave Man of Steel... Oh, no. Uh, yeah, you're right. I gave it a 30% out of 100. I will give it a 5 out of 100 for Batman <laughs> Superman. I will give it a 0. 0.3 out of 5 
stars. And I will say out of 10, I will give it a one. Wow. Dang, coming in Chris, hot. final thoughts. Are there any redeeming qualities and what is your rating for this film? The redeeming qualities are hard. I don't know, man. Like I wanted to say the motivation was there. I kind of like how they motivated Batman to hate Superman. I like that. I do like the back and forth that both of our of our main characters see. Batman sees Superman being painted as a false god and someone who could potentially be a world ender, and then Superman sees Batman as a vigilante who kind of who's judge, jury, and executioner, and 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 that. And I I do like the point of views they play with that. Although that is further extrapolated on the extended version that we saw. The theatrical version didn't have that. At least to my mm-hmm. knowledge, it didn't delve so far into that. So there's that. You said it though, Eric, in the last scene with Apocalypse, or I'm sorry, Doomsday, it just, it was dark. It was muddy. The geography threw me off sometimes. It felt like it was a giant lightning storm with medium close-ups of our characters dodging out of the way to miss something. It doesn't set a scale. And so, therefore, the stakes aren't immediate. They're not big for me. It, it, It didn't feel like an end battle should be, especially when we're using batman superman and wonder woman and like you you know affectionately refer to them as the trinity and we get a finale that just isn't it's just not it's not interesting first of all that's right i just just want to make a quick side note i am the only person who calls them the trinity affectionately i'm no one has ever called them the trinity before no one has ever (laughs) once called them the trinity that is mine i have coined that term that is eric's he's trademarked that so i'm sorry continue (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, no, it, it, that that's basically it. I mean, I don't, I don't know. There, there wasn't a lot to like about. It. I liked Man of Steel. I don't like mm-hmm. Batman versus Superman. And, and, and so, yeah. give me your but arbitrary rating, Chris. I would say four out of ten, and I would say don't bother to watch it if you haven't already seen it. <laughs> nice, explicit. Well done. Um, for me, honestly. I think, you know, one of the redeeming qualities I have I have to give it for Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman. You know, we've we've said that she is she is a model, not an actress, and they hired her because she is a movie star, not, you know, for her performance. And I I agree to a certain extent. Um, I think this movie does have the distinction of giving us that Gal Gadot Wonder Woman and without that we wouldn't have gotten Wonder Woman in 2017 we wouldn't have gotten the upcoming Wonder Woman 1984 when that comes out in 2084 and I <laughs> I'm really like I if for nothing else I'm thankful for that because I do love Gal as Wonder Woman as Diana um, but, other than but that, Patty Jenkins would be a big part of that, though. It's true. Patty exactly. Jenkins, you know, exactly. Well, we'll get to, I'm sorry, I, I can't up, wait to get to that movie. I really can't. Me too. Um, yeah, but okay. overall, this movie really does fail on a fundamental level when it comes to its characters, its writing, its storytelling, and just in the fact that it's not a fun time. I will gladly sit in for a three-hour movie where I am having a blast. Avengers Endgame. With problems, whatever you want to call it, that is a three-hour blast of a movie. This is not a three-hour blast of a movie. And I remember, because just pulling the curtain back a little bit, I watched this, I marathoned this with, uh, with Man of Steel. I watched Man of Steel and then watched Batman v Superman back-to-back. 
And I remember, and I'm going to pull this out, I'm going to grab my phone. I remember the very first thing I sent to them, to Chris and Andrew here, after watching this movie was, holy shit, wow, don't ever do that, my god. And I think (laughs) that is pretty much the best that I could do when describing my feelings for this film. I wish it was better. I wish it was a good movie, but it's not. As for the Explained Arbitrary rating, um, I have to give this a 4 out of 10. 4 out of 10 that is carried entirely by Wonder Woman, by a fun score, and by the fact that I don't have to watch this movie again. <laughs> so that is going to do it for this hey, episode. No, I got a question. No, I go got ahead. a question for both yes. of you before we do. He, my, he's always got final questions. You did it again. I you do. did it again. So, so <laughs> Snyder did... Snyder did Man of Steel. Snyder mm-hmm. did this one. At this point, Snyder was tapped to do Justice League. Yes. It's two failures, I think. Why do you think they stuck with Snyder for as long as they did? Andrew, you go first. I don't care who goes first. Um, they needed a Kevin Feige. They didn't have it yet. They needed somebody to have a directorial vision. They needed somebody to captain the ship. They knew that Zach had an idea they gave him the reins of the idea in maybe 2014 2013 when superman broke even and decided just like all right you are the creative the force of these movie so we will let you continue to set sail on this adventure yeah i think honestly it was when it comes right down to it it was a crime of convenience they didn't have anybody else at the time and they went with the guy that they already had under contract um there was talks when ben was brought on to the role of batman that hey they might you know bring him into helm justice league and he might be the guy and i think a ben affleck directed justice league movie could have worked we'll get to justice league we're getting there trust me but for this movie overall, I think when they looked at it, they saw that Man of Steel did break even. They saw that regardless of the, um, of the second weekend box office drop, regardless of the critical reception, this movie made money. Ultimately, this movie made money. And that is the reason that they continued on with this. If this movie didn't make any money, if this movie made Justice League money, they wouldn't have continued on with this. Period. End of story. And so I so, think, I, I think I'm honestly, sorry. it was just they, they already had a guy who had a certain perspective on it, and they were like, you can keep running with your perspective as long as you keep making us money. Gotcha. Exactly. Exactly. That's solid. Capitalism. Andrew, capitalism. <laughs> that, that is, the, the word of the day is capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for joining us for our second edition of into the snyderverse we will be rolling right on because it's all uphill from here right with our next movie Su- suicide wait that can't be right Su- <laughs> suicide squad oh boy oh boy <laughs> but for now for geek explain this is eric azana this is andrew kincaid and Chris Carter. And we will see you next time. Come together.
Are there any redeeming qualities about this? Andrew, I'll start with you. No. Chris? Chris? 